Are uh, the kids uh, all asleep now? Yes, they're all asleep now. Let's jump in then. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the College Experience. In today's episode, I'm glad to come out of my shell by hosting an extraterrestrial friend who is emerging from another university. Salve, Laura, or hello. I was trying to philosophize in Latin since you're studying law. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Glad to host you and um, I hope that this episode is going to be a shiny one. Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous because you seem so smart and maybe yeah. you think that I'm smart too because I study law, but that isn't the case. Actually, we are both fools, so no worries. We're just two goons having some chill time, okay? Yeah. So, should we start with the questions? Yeah. Why did you choose law school to apply for? To be honest, I wanted to become a doctor. And my mom was just like, pick something, pick something. And she was like, maybe this will be just fine for you. And I had no idea what law was about because I hadn't been doing some criminal stuff. And my friends <laughs> were not criminals as well. So I was like, maybe it will be just like in the movies. So I was quite scared when I entered. I didn't e even know what to expect. I just had like this legally blonde thing image in my head. And um, the thing is that it could be like uh, this cool thing, but then it turns out to be lots of piles of books that you have to read, I guess. In general, since you've been in law and you are still undergraduated, uh, what is the most things that you dislike about the law school? Yeah, the, the thing I dislike the most is that we don't really have so much group meetings. We only have a lot of teachers telling us what to do and a lot of books to read, but not that many actually group meetings. You basically told me that uh, you are next to zero with the social life with your classmates. Yeah, I would oh. like to see more social life. Actually, in Uppsala University, they have this method of people like cooperating with each other, like students talking to each other, trying to solve law cases together. But in Stockholm, it's more of a lonely life. You need to read your books yourself and the teacher will ask you. And sometimes we have this meetings, group meetings, but they're very like... Uh, just to make sure, is your voice still here? Hello. Hello. Two very boring minutes later. Hello? Uh, Maybe if the Wi-Fi is off, it will be better. Okay. Okay, then. Uh, so we'll be pray for the 4G. So since you answered my question about the sociable life of the student body in um, Stockholm University, but uh, do you still having your, uh, you know, your um, social life uh, outside your low school, reaching other students from other schools at Stockholm University? Yes, if you have like special interests, like my interest is to be like a feminist, then you can reach out to other universities when you have this small groups of feminists, for example. 
So you were saying that uh, you are socializing more with um, a group of uh, feminists there on the campus uh, since it is something mutual like interest uh, as let's say as a sub identity with the subculture we're having uh, at the university your atmosphere there that you most with communicate right yes uh, but i would like to say that i know this group exists but i'm lazy because i'm from stockholm so mm. i already have my friends here but for people who move to stockholm this is an option for them. And this mm. is the thing about Stockholm. People who live here don't really want to socialize with new people because they already have their family and group of people here. That's why it's better to go to the university in a small town because there it's, it's a, like a higher chance that other people will come from other cities and they want to socialize with you. In Stockholm, it's so much harder to find friends. Actually, you hit on nerve when, when you're talking about that because I myself, uh, since I'm an immigrant, so when I came to Sweden and uh, specifically to, to Stockholm and started the university, I expected something bigger. Like, you know, I expected like people to be more open-minded. And so I didn't take it from the spectrum or from the aspect of people are already having the luxury to have their not only childhood friends, there are also their uh, gymnasium friends and other friends. And me, their classmate comes in the bottom of this hierarchy. So yeah. right now I understand it more, actually. You should have gone to Örebro, to a smaller <laughs> city. Never go to the big city. I know, I know. I came with uh, with a dream. What can I do? But the uh, fishes already have other fishes to hang out. You need to go to another place. Mm, mm. No worries. Right now I fixed my friends and, you know, bygones are bygones. I actually wanted to ask you before we go to the sociable uh, skills of our universities to the um, question about what do you wish you had known before applying to the law school? I didn't really know. I, I, I had seen like in the movies you could work as a prosecutor or um, judge, but I didn't know the way to be successful it's like so many years of studying and learning the method of course i would like to know that it's it's almost like a gymnasium education because mm. you get to know how to put the floor down and paint the walls it's also very practical sometimes so it mm. doesn't really feel like a university degree law is very something overrated sometimes people believe that law is like a real science but it's really not it's just man-made up rules so i could have been like a priest or going to quran school because it's the same thing like we're studying something that the mankind has made up it's not mm. a real science just like math or chemistry law is like just some rules that we agreed to follow so I, I actually miss the kind of uh, science of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I guess some people 
think the same with journalism. Like when they look at it, it's all about uh, being Eren Brokovich or uh, like those type of idols of journalism, those who goes into investigations and so, but it turns like most of them right now working with uh, clickbaits and so. And yeah. Uh, yeah, me too, like when I look into serious like suits, and seeing them taking pro bono cases and doing all this shows and gloating on the other lawyers, I say, mm, I wish if I had, if I've been a lawyer. But I wish you that my life dream. was like suits as a law student, and I wish my life would be like suits after my degree. But <laughs> now I know it's really not because that's a clickbait. Oh, so that son of a bitch Harvey doesn't exist. No. Okay, okay. Thanks for telling me that. Okay, so um, what's your opinion then about the relevance of the given curricula at your university? I think it's good, but of course, like in law, we study only the law. We don't study any human behavior. And that is a big problem for lawyers because we never talk about like who gets pulled over in a car. Is it a black person mm. or a white person? Like we never talk about this... Uh, men who hits women because we only pretend in the law that justice is blind like everybody's equal and like that's nice we never we never make a difference between people but the world doesn't work like that and that is mm -hmm. a big problem for me exactly and um, i guess any lawyer must have uh, at least bit insights on psychology no insights at all uh, but the thing is um it's also that Precisely, the judge must also learn how to have the soul of the law. Like, um, since you're a lawyer, I would like to go a little bit in you with the, the case of uh, possessing, let's say, weed in Sweden. You know how intolerable they are with that. And it's still something you don't understand. Why would you go so hard on things that you can go way mildly on? Is this the thing that matters for the law? Someone having two grams in his pocket? Yeah, I will ask you a question back. Yeah. When you when you are the people who's buying this grass, when they buy that, who gets the money? Who gets the money? Well, we get to the hierarchy in the end to the cartel, I guess. Yeah. And the cartel, is that a problem in Sweden right now or not? Mm, depends, because I too heard that the opinion of a police officer who said that we don't really give a shit about the grass, what we give a shit about, the, you know, heavier drugs. So I'm a yeah, bit right the, now. Mm. The grass, like if you take this middle class people in Sweden and also the upper middle class and the high class and the low class, like if everybody's like buying two grams and it's uh, like hundreds and millions of people given the money to the cartels is that mm. a problem or not well it depends uh, on uh, the fact that when you legalize it the cartel will be the government yeah but right now it's not legalized and it would be a problem because the cartel can always sell it cheaper so if you go to the government and buy your grass or weed it will cost much more Mm. And if people are using it that, like they do right now, they will always take the cheaper one. So mm. the cartel is making a lot of money because they can always provide it cheaper. Yeah, but at least you can have two cartels on the street than one. 
but uh, I, I get what you say, uh, but uh, I still think that, well, don't go so hard on people like you know I, I would say like to all the middle class people to all the people like if you're buying it then you're actually giving money to the cartel you can't really sit complaining about these shootings or being scared for your children because you're the one actually providing them with money so the young boys they will be it will be so hard for them to turn the cartels down because it's so much money involved and the money mm. comes from the middle class who wants mm. to smoke grass so you're actually a big part of the problem if you're paying the cartel money so people listen to her and don't wake and bake uh, we can uh, jump to another question regarding the curriculum and its relevance to let's say your future career how is it relevant, you know, the things you've been taught? Because you told me that things we are taught to, to, to read piles of books in the end, would that benefit your career? Is it just like part of you have to memorize lots of meta information so it would help you uh, in the courts and with like your cases and so to memorize that information? I think for my education, the first few years after law school, it's still about learning because we get cut loose directly after we got our bachelor degree. It's like, good luck, go, go up in court. But I think it would be a much better system if we would have like a mentor. And uh, in your opinion, what type of insights you can gain from this mentor? Is it only the practice or also how to study more proficiently if i had like a legal problem i would never take like a newly examined uh, law student i would take somebody who's been working for five or ten years because in my like four years of studying law we went to the court one time and that's mm -hmm. a big problem like we don't do this practical learning at all so i would advise everyone who has a legal problem to take somebody who's been working for 10 years at least or maybe five years but this would damage the future of you come on the, it's true because you learn so much in court but if you think about this did you know that a law student has only been to court for maybe two hours the whole education what do you think about that it's disaster i would say at least you need to to get to use to the scenery of the court yes but of course like it's only a few percent who will work in the court most of the people studying law will never get the chance because it's mostly the student who has the higher grades that will work in the court and the people with the lower grades will work at mm, maybe migrationsverket or other like a government mm -hmm. position mm -hmm. okay. and you don't really need a law degree to work with these kinds of jobs but of course as an employer you will like that somebody has a law degree mm -hmm. and you may get also a better paycheck i guess as what we've been discussing so far what are the problems that you are foreseeing coming into your future career maybe artificial intelligence that some law prob problems could be solved by a computer. You don't really mm. need humans for that. And that is a thing that scares um, the law society uh, because they want to make money. Right now, media has been focusing a lot on uh, lawyers who's making a lot of money and not 
really following the laws. Um, so the media attention on lawyers is very high right now. And of course, the, the law society is uh, always checking up on their law lawyers right now. But it's only because the media. So it's mm -hmm. like this thing where the law society is trying to fix their reputation. It's very important for the law society to have a good reputation amongst lawyers and people. And since you brought up uh, a major thing right now, which is the social media. So can we talk a little bit about the cancel culture and law? Because um, I mentioned that in my previous uh, interview about uh, Ronald Sullivan. Do you remember this name? No. He was the dean of Harvard for the law school, and he was the the lawyer of uh, Harvey Harvey Weinstein. Okay. And, yes. Yeah, he got ghosted, or uh, let's say let's say he got witch hunted uh, by uh, the students because he was defending Harvey Weinstein. And you know, when it comes to the role of a lawyer, there is no right or false. There is a defendant. Or am I being mistaken here? Yeah, of course. In Sweden, it's the same thing. Like sometimes you don't even get to choose which um, clients you get. So you only get like a client from the court. And of course, if a client asks for your name, you can like take the um, uh, the case or not. But it's. I think the problem is that he's a teacher. Mm. Maybe that was the problem because like we don't have this kind of problem in Sweden because we have this terrorist Akilo. And uh, I know the lawyer that uh, defended him, and uh, there hasn't been, <laughs> what I heard, any problems among the students we, when he came and lectured for us. So I think the problem is maybe that this Harvard uh, teacher is teaching and maybe living on this merit of a um, teacher. So that could be a problem where the, the students can react. But of course, I wouldn't have a problem with somebody defending a client. That is a part of the mission of being a lawyer. But uh, in your opinion, is there any a matter of conflict with uh, the morality since he was defending someone who yet is innocent in the eyes of the court? No, because everybody has the right for a fair trial. And that is mm. like the most important thing we have in democracy and also in law. So everybody including myself or my family, I would like the same thing for them if they get accused, a fair trial. And, and in a fair trial, you should have a lawyer that stands up for you, of course, mm. and protects you, your interests. But I think the problem here is it's a little bit more complex because here we got this teacher who's teaching and that could be, uh, that could be a little bit of a conflict because when we have teachers teaching, most of them are only like professors studying and they haven't made any controversial like things. So mm -hmm. of course they maybe if it's a student teacher relationship, they will question you. It's not the same thing as working in like a law office because then mm -hmm. you're only taking a lot of clients and you're protecting your clients and their interests. But I think it gets more complex when it's a teacher student relationship. So now I guess uh, Al Pacino's uh, the the devil's advocate is just a mere of uh, romanticization in the age of cancel culture. 
Uh, it's no more that image of uh, a sleazy, manipulative lawyer who can place on the line of uh, false and right. Yeah, but it like cancel culture, it's like this phenomenon, it's so complex. And in some cases, it's good. And in some cases, it's hard to really tell what's mm. cancel culture and what just like students like having a dialogue with a teacher. So I think it's complex to say that something is right or wrong when it comes to cancel culture. Okay, let's go back to your staff of faculty uh, by asking you how approachable are the staff and the administrative uh, people of your faculty? It depends on what you ask them. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I know that in smaller universities, you have this personal relationship more. And if mm. you have this personal relationship, you will be maybe more comfortable to ask questions and maybe get more information. In Stockholm, it's a big university and a lot of students, so it's very equal for everyone. Like, I don't know anyone who has this personal relationship with the teacher. So that's the good thing. If you like equality and everybody treated the same way, then you should go to a big university because nobody gets favorized. But what do you mean by uh, smaller universities? Can you give me uh, an example? Yeah, maybe you can like in Lund or Gothenburg where they have like, we, we have a lot of online classes. So you get like this distance. But mm. if you have them like when you meet the teachers, you have the same teachers you get this personal relationship. In Stockholm, we have, I think, 300 per class students. And that's so many that teachers doesn't even have time to favorize us. Well, I was trying to implicate you of slandering the the Sudderton University, but you didn't, you passed the test. <laughs> uh, okay, since uh, we talked about the legal job in general, I would love to hear your wishes or your desired job in the future is it gonna be something in the office or in the court law how about your marks uh, does your hp allow you to be in all those areas no and that's maybe why i'm so bitter at the <laughs> lawyers working in the court <laughs> i don't have the degrees for that not right now and i wish in the future that they wouldn't just look at your degrees they should look at your personality because then I would be the mm -hmm. most, the best lawyer in the world if they just went on the personality. But I wish for myself to work with uh, women who get beaten and also women who have some problems with their husband that they're trying to divorce. And th there's this thing now where this, it's called after violence, like even after you get divorced, mm -hmm. the husband will still try to make your life harder, maybe like uh, <clears throat> stalking you, not giving you information about your children, trying to make everything difficult in your life, maybe calling your boss, telling your boss stuff, or terrorizing your family. And you're not even in this relationship anymore because here the Swedish government has failed to protect these women who leave these abusive relationships and still the husband is ex-husband is still terrorizing these women and children and they can't live a normal life. And this is the problem with law. We're like 10 years after all the time. We're but, always after the situation that happened. These women don't have any protection right now in the law, in the law book. 
what is encumbering or what is uh, hindering women from having a normal life? Is it the bureaucracy of uh, dealing with the case of the divorce? Or let's say, is there any type of failure of uh, dealing with uh, domestic abuse by the husband? Or where is the problem exactly? So th th I would say that domestic abuse laws are really good right now. And the courts are actually are getting better at the psychology stuff about the domestic violence cases and the law is really good but for me it's about after the court after the court date and this ex-husband has got his like punishment he will still try to con continue to get to you in somehow but he's always doing it within the law so stalking you need to be like calling a lot you need to be uh, turning up a lot but if you do just a little bit stalking the police can't do anything if you're like terrorizing a person just a little bit you mm. won't get the law enforcement won't do anything so these men are always like trying to find new things some loopholes in the law to terrorize these women and the court and the police they and the social service can't do nothing about it yeah. It's like a psychology, like terrorizing, they're terrorizing them. But mm. there's no room in the law for that because that hasn't been described yet. So I hope in the future that the lawmakers will try to take up this uh, after violence law about not terrorizing these women. Are you an activist or not? Yes, I'm an activist on Facebook. Okay, uh, so um, are you trying to push anything? Yes, I'm trying to push awareness about these women's situations. The after violence is terrible because I'm going to be quite uh, controversial here. And now we have this situation with Putin and he mm. has like the whole world in hostage right now. Everybody's trying to figure out what Putin's next move is. And for a woman who lives with this kind of ex-husband, she's always on her watch. She's like, what is going to happen next? And some of these women get still get murdered every year. And uh, it's the after violence nobody talks about. Everybody's just focused on this domestic violence, abuse, loss, but nobody talks about when he comes out of prisons. When he comes out of prison or maybe got like a fine or something, he will still try to make this woman's life a terrible life. Okay, is there any group or uh, any event or uh, petition you want to promote on this episode? Yes, uh, you should always contact the social services because the social services will help you. Even if you don't trust them, you could tell them about this stuff. And there's also this uh, women's uh, house that you can contact that only works with women who needs protection. And also there's some good supportive groups on Facebook for women about this. Just, I hope for these women to get like a better life and that the law will in 10 years or something be better for them. Well, I'm actually, you know, proud because I'm having this interview with you because as you said, lots of people can have the ability to memorize meta information lots of information from the curricula and ace their studies and become lawyers but not all people can be able to be human beings to really think about the most important 
cases that people just forget in the bureaucracy. Who cares if you get to the court of you or you become a lawyer? Who gives a fuck? What it's important is what you're doing from your place, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying my best. Okay, any advice uh, for incoming freshmen? I would tell them to, like, my education, it says on the curriculum that it will take four and a half years. It will probably take me 10 years to finish my law study. And that's because I prioritized my children and my friends. So for me, the social life and my mental health has always come first. So I see a lot of law students like gaining weight, losing weight, terrible skin, nothing to eat, too much to eat, no sleep, too much sleep. It's like, it's terrible to watch these young people pressure themselves so much. And I'm always the opposite way. I'm just trying to be as lazy as I can, mm-hmm. just cruising by law school and maintaining mm-hmm. my friends. So I would like, I'm taking a lot of free exams. Of course, I got no CSN because CSN wants you to pass the exam the first time. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's about having myself and my family and my friends in my life. So re-exams, like, I can be honest with you. I made maybe like 10 re-exams. I don't know if I'm a good or a bad lawyer because I did so many re-exams, but I can tell you this much. I'm a happier person, I guess. Yeah, well, actually, this is what it matters. Okay, so what? Do it how how long it takes, how long we go on. It's okay. It happens. Shit happens in our lives. Like, you know, as you said, you want to combine, like Confucius said, uh, law and life don't mix. I guess you cannot mix the both. You and doctors are having the same amount of weight on your shoulders. And this is not healthy at all. And it's there is no purpose. At all. No purpose. Yeah. It's not healthy at all to have this pressure in the and this big amount of meta that you call it a lot of information pressuring yourself it's not good for your mental health to make it so rapidly well that's why i uh, i studied uh, media communication because i'm gonna end up as a freelancer just like half of the lawyers so you're gonna end up unemployed Unemployed, exactly. So I'm my own employer right now. That's right. Thank you. Thanks a lot for this interesting interview. I didn't know what to expect from this interview. I haven't prepared anything, uh, neither you, and uh, it went well, actually. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, and uh, I would love to see you here with me and Maggie, and uh, I guess uh, your husband also, but uh, keep keep the children at your mama's house, okay? Okay. Yes, I will. Okay. But thank you so much. Thank of you course, so much. of course. Thanks a lot for anyone who is still listening to this episode. And I see you in another one. Bye-bye. Bye.